Honestly, Asian Greeks? Hey, this is Vigor Lam. In our next episode, I will host our podcasts from the National Asian Pacific Islander Desi American Panhellenic Association, or NAPA, Black Coalition, to discuss anti-Blackness in Asian American Greek literalizations, or AAGLOs. Hey everybody, welcome to our next episode on anti-Blackness. Before we begin, I um, wanted to just give a few disclaimers here. This podcast and episode is not to attack individuals or people, it's really to educate. And um, the, ho- the podcasts that will be here today are sharing what they've all experienced as Black members of the AGL community. Um, and that's another point too, is that these are a few Black members of the AGL community, they do not represent the entire Black community, these are just their experiences. So to set this up a little bit, um, I want to kind of share before we introduce our podcast that um, there was an Asian fraternity on the East Coast that screenshot some of their um, group messages <laughs> um, about that were very anti-Black and just had some very um, disturbing messages and responses to each other in the chapter. And then they were posted on a Facebook group. So I think that sparked a lot of attention and conversation that has already been happening but really brought to attention this conversation about anti-Blackness. So with that, I kind of introduce our podcast. Um, please go ahead and introduce yourselves, um, your name, your pronouns, and what organization you're part of. And we'll start with Alicia. Hi, everyone. My name is Alicia Francois. I'm a sister of Alpha Sigma Rho, and I use she and her pronouns. popcorn to somebody <laughs> Max <laughs> yeah, sure hi um, my name is Max Desire. everyone calls me Max though it's fine um, my pronouns are she her hers um, and I'm a sister of Kappa Phi Lambda and I will popcorn to Romel hello everybody my name is Romel Scott and I am a brother of Delta S1 Phi National Foundation Security Incorporated um yeah nice to meet you guys Awesome. I like Introducing how you incorporated. <laughs> None <laughs> like, of us did. I, no I, I got Representing. <laughs> um, so I know you all want to give shout outs and give um, all these, you know, shout outs to your littles or bigs, but we'll wait to the end for that. I think we're going to get into this topic of anti-Blackness and I forgot to introduce myself. Um, I am your host, Vigor Lamb. I use team pronouns and I'm a member of Pi Delta Psi Fraternity Incorporated. So our, our conversation today, anti-Blackness, um, I want to start with how do you define anti-Blackness? Um, I, I have a, a textbook definition, but I think for the three of you, how would you define anti-Blackness? Good question. Um, I think I kind of define it in like severities. So I think anti-Blackness can show up in various ways. I think people think that they're like racist or anti-Black when they say the N-word with the hard R, but like you're also being anti-Black when you use our word after being like continuously told to stop using it and continue to use it. I think you're anti-Black like when you cross the street when you're when there's a Black guy walking on the same side as you or like when you call the only Black sister in your chapter the aggressive or mean one. So anti-Blackness can show up in various ways, but I think it's like any prejudice or a disdain towards people of the Black community, whether that's because you think that they're ignorant or whether it's because like you think that 
you know, like they're inherently bad or like they're inherently more violent. Like that within itself is anti-Black because like if think about like how you would feel if I said that about someone that was like Chinese, I was like, they're inherently violent, which is actually what they used to say like during like the night, like the Chinese Exclusion Act, they used to say that Chinese men and Filipino men were gonna like rape white women. And that's like where the notion of like Asian men have small dicks come from, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but like that's like where that comes from because white men were so afraid that their wives were gonna get taken. And so per to perpetuate that on another racial group is really problematic. And so that's my definition of anti-Blackness. For me, I would just say it's when you do like anything of a Black culture, but you don't like it on Black people. Like, you like dreads, but it looks great on an Asian person, but it looks dirty on a Black person. You like tins, oh, that makes you look like you're about to rob me, but somebody else wears it, it's stylish. So I think for me, that's when it comes to very anti-Blackness. You like it only when it's not including a Black person. Yeah, for me, it's like when you unconsciously or subconsciously call out um, like actions, um, words about Black people without even really knowing the full truth about like what Black people go through in general, such as like um, whether like for stigma, for example, like, oh, you know, like Black people just commit crimes all the time. They do it to themselves. That's something I actually heard from one of those tweets as well as like that's not necessarily true. And it also comes into like where they gain this information from. Sometimes more of their parents give them this type of information or they're hearing it from their friends, but they feel that it's socially acceptable. So I think that's also uh, a definition of anti-Blackness. It's like the social acceptability that, you know, Black people, uh, Black people being discriminated against, that they just do all these bad things and it's not necessarily true in the end. Yeah. Thank you just for humanizing that that term. Um, for the for all the listeners, just to give you a textbook definition of anti-blackness is the Council for Democratizing Education defines anti-blackness as being a two-part formation that both voids blackness of value while systemically marginalizing black people and their issues. So I think all the things that you're sharing kind of relate to that. Um, and so I appreciate just you sharing those those thoughts. So kind of set the stage for some more conversations. Um, general questions I have, and I think something to just bring up, I am a non-Black person, so I wanna just be mindful of that. Um, I am an Asian American and a person of color, but I am not Black. So some general questions I wanna start with through with the three of you. Um, where were and are you the only Black member of your age yellow currently? I'm currently not the only member. Um, who was black in my organization? I got recruited. Well, yeah, I asked. That was actually one of the first questions I asked because I got recruited by another Asian sister, and I was like, "Oh, could black people join your org?" And she was like, "Yeah, like my thesis is black." And I was like, "Oh," who turned out to be my P mom at the end. That was crazy. But um, I definitely think um, if I didn't see that, I think I would be a more hesitant to join my organization because I would be scared about whatever everyone would have thought of me, but definitely had sisters um, before me that were Black that joined. Nice. Mm -hmm. What about yeah, you, Yeah, from my end. Oh, yeah, Max, go ahead, sorry. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no,
but before me when I first joined, there were a couple. So, um, you know, that didn't really phase me as much as to like, hey, there's other Black members. Uh, my main focus wasn't on who's there. It was more of like the values that those fraternities expressed whenever I first joined. But some of the things you kind of notice when you actually join is like, hey, was I actually the only Black member? But for my case, uh, I was one of three, but there have been like, I think a couple before me. So if you think about the overall like perspective of how many Black people were in my organization that was founded, at mm. least in my chapter, there was not a lot. Mm. So. That makes sense. Yeah, I had a really different experience. So when I crossed, I became the first sister from my chapter to be Black. My class was like considered the most diverse because my line sister had also been the first Middle Eastern sister. So, um. Yeah, it was making history. (laughs) Um, And I made it my goal that before I graduated that we would like cross another black sister and we did. So like I got to see, um, so like now I'm not like our chapter has two officially two black sisters. I'm not the first black sister at Kappa Phi Lambda history. There There are older sisters that are like in their 30s or whatever that, not that they're old, I'm not saying 30s is old, don't fight. Um, But yeah, like I think like um, we have older sisters and that's really cool, but definitely was hard because I was like, I was really lucky because my high science was also the first black brother for his chapter. And so we were science together and that was really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, within my chapter alone, I was the only black person. It's so interesting that you're like you're one or the one of two or three that just seems so little compared to like the hundreds of members that have crossed or been initiated in your chapter right I don't know how long your chapters have been around and your school by no mind has been around for a number of years so I can't even think of I think we have maybe one black member if that um, I can't remember at this point so I I, I just curious how that has affected your experience Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, My chapter, I'm number 197. Um, Like, we're big. We've been around for a while. Um, And so I think, like, that has been really, like, interesting because, like, we did over, like, we've been around for over 20 years and, like, for some reason, I'm still the only Black sister. Um, But I think it's because, like, they weren't, like, I found my sorority by accident. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has that experience. I walked into a room, every room was like dedicated to a Greek organization. And I just happened to end up walking in the room that was for Kappa Phi Lambda. And then they're like, you should come to Rush. And so I did. And then like, I ended up like joining them because I didn't feel like my blackness was a factor. I honestly didn't feel like my blackness mattered until after I crossed. Like when I was officially a sister, I was like, oh, y'all say the N word, I'm gonna have to handle that. Like, oh, like some of the bros are kind of like really anti-black in their statements. We're gonna have to talk about that. Uh, like I mentioned, um, I was in the same class, like I had a bio lab class where I met one of the sisters and she mentioned it to me, but I never like took it into consideration. And then another year I met a different sister and I was like, oh my God, I know your other sister. And she told me, they're like, no, you could come out. Like we have a lot of people, like you'll feel connected and everything. And I was like, okay, I'll go into it. But I think that my experience of joining helped me embrace my blackness even more like it definitely put me out of my shell I went to a really diverse high school anyway but uh just really understanding who I was and how important my culture my race was to me and how I had to stand up for myself really it um came out after I joined ASR so for mine um the way I found out about my organization was because of a couple of my friends 
from high school that actually joined the organization. So they kind of introduced me into like the organization. And then it was crazy because one of my roommates, when I first came to college, knew one of the guys that also joined the exact same semester as my friend. So it kind of like was almost like destiny in a sense, but like it kind of played itself all of that. Um, and then I actually met like the president at the time because of a football game we had and he was with us. And I was just like, you know, when I actually went to the rush event, um, he was there. So it's kind of like meeting people beforehand. I kind of already had a feel of like how they are. So mm -hmm. for me, I saw that they fit the value that I um, had in myself. So I thought it was the right organization. When I did join, I did start to see some things like people saying the N-word, even to this day, it's still being said. Um, there is like a semblance of anti-Black definitely in my own chapter. So like, especially for me calling these things out, um, doing what I can to advocate against those things, um, just breaking down those stigmas, because most of the time it's just false stigmas that they hear from other places and they feel that it's acceptable. So. That's true. Yeah. I have I have so many questions. I guess I feel like that really trans helps transition to the next part of what <laughs> I want to ask. I think it's interesting that you share, you all share that, you know, that part of the reason why you joined is because your cult your values and the values alignment with the people that you interacted with. I think that AGLOs are really poor at recruiting and they always say, Oh, we're we're Asian. Uh, was it Asian cultural interests, but not even exclusive, right? Yeah. And so I think it's just not a it's a poor way to recruit. But I also just think that they're not well versed in educating others and themselves on how to really, really be inclusive in general, right? And and equitable in that sense, right? So I think you know the use of the unwords something that you you all brought up in a way. So the next question here then is, what are your thoughts on using Black English or AV African American vernacular English as a non-Black person? Um, we'll start with the N word. Yes, sir. Um, so I'll go. I'll go first. Um, it's definitely highly inacceptable. Drag them. It's like it's very it's highly inaccessible. And the main reason I feel like the main reason that those people use the N word is because they feel like it's acceptable to just say the N word. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, other people say it, why can't I? And that's one of the biggest arguments that's definitely going on is like, well, other people are saying it, so why what's wrong with me saying it? You're seeing other people saying it, why are you calling out me? Um and it's like I'm your brother, so like it should be okay, right? But that's not okay, you know? Like, it's offensive to a lot of Black people. And then also, I could say for myself to blame is sometimes I see it and I don't immediately call it out. So I'll call it out a little bit later and it just continues going on, you know? So it's more of like, they really need the education on why it's important to not say the N-word, that it's not acceptable, that um, anyone that isn't Black should not be saying the word at all because they feel like it's okay if other people say it, I should be able to say it. Yeah, before other people share to you, I'm curious to add on to that. I've heard, oh, well, Black people say it, why can't I say it? So I, just to add more to the conversation here and, oh, and no. for you all to share. So please, please keep going. That's so um, annoying. <laughs> like, yeah, that is. It's like, um, Black, did you wanna go first? Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> you can go first. Go. I was no, just gonna it, it. it's so easy to like, I feel like this is why it's really important to know history because if you don't know history, you repeat itself. Like for example, like everything that happened with Japanese internment camps happened with kids, like with Trump as president with the Mexican border. Like that's literal concentration camp. That's literally history repeating itself but no one wants to talk about it. So black people 
you know, after years of being subjugated through slavery and just like hearing that word, right? They essentially were just like, I, like years later, we're like, we're gonna reclaim this word and use it as our own. So it takes away, like when I call my black friend, like the N word, right? Or I'm like, oh, like this nigga did blah, 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 blah. Like it's usually as a term of endearment or it's usually just like something that like we as the black community, we're like, we're just gonna use this word amongst ourselves. Like we're gonna like commodify this. Like this is us, like this is for us, this is our thing. No one was saying, saying the n-word like prior to black people like reclaiming it as their own again like after it had like fallen out of like grace and people were like ooh, like only using it for like for it to be hurtful like people weren't using it in the way that black people use it today people weren't using it as a common part of their language and stuff like that and like i we can probably have this conversation like much later right but i think black people's like have their hand on the pulse to like what is like relatable or like what is cool in America. And I think people were like, oh, black people are like doing great things and like reusing this word. And like, now we're gonna reuse this word. But the thing is like, because you don't know the historical connotation, when you use the word, everything that we've done to make the word like be used amongst ourselves is taken away. Like, does that make sense? It's like what my gay friend uses the F word. I will never use that word because I know what it means to them. But like whenever I hear a gay person or a member of the LGBTQIA plus community use it, I'm like, that's really funny. I like that you've reclaimed your own slur, essentially. And like Asian people have their own slurs that they can do the same thing if they wanna do that as well. And like everyone else can do that. You know what I mean? But like, let us have our thing, please. <laughs> like, do you, we gonna do us. To add on to that, um... At the end of the day, like, I would disagree about, like, they just need education because it's 2021. This excuse of we don't have, like, education, like, we didn't know because we grew up in the Black neighborhood. We did this, we did that. Like, okay, we've heard this story already. But when are you going to actually use that education? Like, you, like, for me personally, um, I, I'm important to you, right? Like, I had one of my close friends like in a fraternity you say it all the time mm -hmm. and I literally was like yo if I'm your friend like I'm not even just a Greek affiliated person I'm your friend like if I matter to you and I tell you this is offensive to me like you shouldn't do it you know what I mean I, I had two other people also in fraternities that they were randomly just saying it and at first I was like you know what they're, they're probably going to get the hint but they didn't and I was like ayo I'm your friend. If you really want me to be your friend and not just a, a Greek affiliated thing, I need you to chill out. Like, I need you not to use that. Like, that's not cool with me. And like, um, and that same, one of the same people I mentioned, he told me like, it's okay for me to use offensive things towards him. And I was like, same thing. what? How <laughs> does that make thing. Yeah, like two wrongs don't make a right. Like, I'm not yeah, gonna your life. sit here and just offend you. <laughs> on purpose like who does that yeah. like why yeah. help me understand well thanks for saying that record straight yeah. i think as, as, a, as an openly gay person um mm -hmm. i have corrected my fraternity brothers and pledge brothers of like not even education like hey can you stop saying the f word and then i'll turn around and say the n word and so it's just like it's what's going on here like it's a cycle right and it's just mm -hmm. like oh yeah yeah we get it now like we'll, we'll do push-ups because you know because we get it like you know when we say the f word like but then you say the n words how is that you know <laughs> what's going on here right so i appreciate you, you can't be you can't be anti like anything without being and then say the n word you can't you say the n 
forward. Like you can't be like we have to do something about racism and like Asian people are being attacked with which they are, and we really need to talk about like the rise. Granted, there actually isn't really a rise. It's just like we are like now being able to see it. Like Asian people have been persecuted for years. Just like Black people have been persecuted for for years. I think you knew, but like I'm really tired of seeing people be like Black Lives Matter and also do something about like Asian people getting beat up. But I'm like, I saw you at a party last year, and I told you to stop using the N word, and you stared at me like I was crazy. Like you should shut up. Like take down your Instagram. You're not an activist. Please go sit in a corner and go read like that book called How to Be an Anti-Racist by, I think it's like X Kennedy Abram. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the book. You should read that book. And then when you finish reading the book, you can come back and be a civilized person again. I'm tired. We are tired. That is a point. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know so that's not a topic I wanted to bring up too. At, at some point in the conversation is about the Asian versus Black community sentiments, right? There's a lot of anti-Asian um, racism happening, but I think you know from I've heard many sides of the story that oh, Asian Americans were we don't want to take space because of Black Lives Matter happening, well, right? But it's this is the that conversation about we don't want to uphold white supremacy and and in blaming Black people that is white supremacy and also anti-black, right? So I, I think that's not a conversation I want to bring up, but I think a few more scenarios I want to walk through just to kind of like help set the stage here more in terms of, should we use them or should we not? How is this anti-black? Cause I know I faced it and I've realized it now as I'm unlearning my own experiences growing up, right? So I grew up in, for example, in a predominantly white suburb and I knew I moved there because my parents wanted to be around more white people because there were too many black people at other schools um, because they felt like that wasn't a good education, quote, quote. So, and, and I think some of you have mentioned that, right? So that you come from, they come from a black community, so they know what's like, and they can say the N-word. So I guess to set the state, it kind of, not corrected, but to kind of share a response to that, what are your thoughts there on that growing up in a predominantly black neighborhood, I can say yes, or I can say these things, or moving to a white suburb? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, we all came from somewhere, right? Like we all have a history of, of our past that has caused us trauma, that has caused us to be the person we are. But as you grow up, as you become more educated, quote unquote, because apparently we all need an education lesson now. Um, <laughs> just at one point, do you realize that that's wrong? Like at one point you're going to have to look at yourself and reflect like, hey, that, was, that wasn't that was right. Like what my parents did or what, there's times that my parents have did things that I'm like, you can't do that. Like you can't, you have to stand up for yourself at the end of the day and you have to call yourself out. And that's the only reason, that's the only way that we're going to change. Like you telling me you grew up in a black neighborhood doesn't make me feel any more sympathetic towards you. Like that's just me, I literally told you, I I feel like that's offensive, Like it is offensive. I don't feel comfortable with you saying the N word. I don't care if you were, in the neighborhood, you were part of the gangs, you were doing this, that, and the fourth. Oh. You can't do, say that. It's offensive. You know? It's like, it's like overall, like, how, how far are you going to go to be accountable for at least your own actions first before, like, addressing any other people's actions? Because it's more like, it's almost like you're victim blaming for yourself. Like, well, hey, I, you know, grew up in these neighborhoods too. I feel like I have a right to say the N-word, and that's just not the case, you know? Because the N-word was geared towards being offended to the black community so like i know i hear like a lot of white people and even some agents saying hey i grew up in black neighborhoods all my friends are black 
Um, they had no problem me saying, you know, saying the N word and stuff like that. But, you know, when you get to these type of communities, like, it's just not okay to do that. No matter what environment you grew up in, it's more like, it's, it's such a different dynamic when you're talking about, like, the N word, because it doesn't really just relate to your environment. It relates to, like, how was the word used in the past as well? And, like, how does it reflect now? And that's why the biggest thing is definitely that, um, pulling up that accountability, so. Yeah, I agree. I feel like whenever someone makes that argument, I'm like, well, here's my point. Cause I have a friend that is Asian, that is an Asian Greek life that has a lot of black friends and he does not use the N word and he does not let his friends use the N word. Cause he's like, my boys would never like approve of that. Right. And so I feel like my non-black friends that really grew up in the struggle, <laughs> I don't want to say in the struggle, because like all black people are, first off, we're not a monolith, right? Like I just happened to grow up in like a very urban town and the people that grew up with me grew up in the same urban town as me and like a lot of them surprisingly enough did also did not use the n-word um except for like maybe like my latinx friends who are also like afro-latino so like there's like the dynamics of that and all but i feel like what i always ask people especially because like a lot of my brown like a lot of brown people i feel use the n-word specifically like if you're indian like a lot of indian people use the n-word specifically i felt and i'll be like what do you put on your college application like did you put asian or black and then they're like, well, you know, I'm Desi. I'm like, that's cool. Did you put black though? Oh, you didn't? Oh, okay, cool. So I just want to just make sure like we're, I'm black, right? And you're not, and I'm telling you not to use it. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure. And also like, if you can get fired for your job, if I like go viral calling you out for saying the N word, then obviously you should not be saying it. What I've always noticed is that brothers, bros would be very selective about using the N word. Like, because I got to the point where I'd call out anyone for using it. So they wouldn't use it around me. Or like, if we had an event and I co-hosted with like Alpha Phi Alpha, everybody was on their best behavior around Alpha Phi Alpha. Nobody wanted to drop the N bomb, but we're at like a closed party at the Naffy house or like at whatever organization's house. Right. And everybody wants to use the N word. And that's not like a dig on their organization or any organization, like so many non-black organization members are using the n-word so like you're very capable of not saying it like at a workplace you're not saying it around black people that you know will beat you up but like the minute that you think you're safe you're like let me throw all these n-words and then someone's like can you not do that and they're like i grew up in queens and like then you ask them what part of queens and they're like i grew up in flushing I'm like shut up <laughs> there's no black people there <laughs> um to add on to that i've also been to a mixer where someone told me that the bros had put on the board like alicia's coming make sure you don't say the n-word and i'm like is that like y'all need a reminder like what and i had found my name on the board because i was like where's my name on that board and then uh like one of the sisters were dating them and they're like oh like they put a reminder so like bros wouldn't mess up around you and i was like and and the fact like the system was so proud of it too. And I was like, that's not, <laughs> that doesn't make me feel good. Like, I'm able to be like, thank you. Like, thank you so much for understanding, like, this is wrong. Like, you should know better. And the fact that you need a reminder on a board, that doesn't, that just doesn't add up. Also, I wanted to comment on like the neighborhood thing. So in my neighborhood, I was very diverse. And at the time, a lot of people were saying the N word. And I didn't even understand the weight of the word too, right? Like, I didn't understand it at all. Then as I got older, I began to realize it. And I was like, yo, this is wrong. Like, why did we let this happen, right? Like, we all been there, right? At one moment, it clicks. Like, this is wrong. And that's where, that's what I need from, like, 
the, the community. Like realize it's wrong and try to change. Make the change because we would never, I know a lot of black people in Asian Greeks and I have yet to see them do something very offensive compared the other way around. Like, I feel like I think twice before I do anything offensive at all. I think before I do, and I just want the same energy at the end of the day. Yeah, thanks I, Thanks for sharing all of that. I, it makes me think about uh, the whole, I think Max, you were saying about the monolith. It's like, if one person, one black person say it's okay to say, it doesn't mean that you can say it around, it just, you can't say it no matter what, but just one person mm -hmm. saying it doesn't mean that it, it represents the whole community here and the entire race, right? So. Um, another conversation or topic I want to bring up is, is, is a pretty, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, like with all this Black Lives Matter things happening with all this anti-Asian sentiment, just thinking about your experiences with the police, um, sh should the police be called? What, I guess, give me, give us some more understanding on your experience with the police personally, but also within the context of activism and anti-Blackness. Um, so yeah, I'll start with this one. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen especially is that people say that these things don't go on, that, oh, police brutality is so low that, you know, not every black person really is in danger what's going on. And we're seeing these things too. And they don't even understand like for black people, how scared we are to even like, we're in our cars and we get pulled over because we have no idea how that cop's gonna turn out, what they're gonna do. Like, that's just really important. And it's like, well, they only show the bad things, right? But there's a lot more good. Not necessarily true. You never know who it is. You have to be safe no matter what with those situations. Um, even for me, my family got pulled over by a cop one time um, just because, you know, of our window tinting um, was a little dark. And for us, we were literally scared because we had no idea, like, what was going to happen to us. And it just really brings attention of, like, do we call the police or not? Um, you know, in the case that danger happens, yeah, we should still call the police with certain things, but it's more like we have to be very careful how we approach the situation. And we always have to approach it the best way we can when the situation comes about. Thanks. Thank you um, for sharing other thoughts from Alicia or Max. Um, well, I guess, like, my point is, like, I don't trust the police at all. Like, it's my last resort. Like, I'm at the point where I don't trust. I, I work as a civil rights, um, I work for a civil rights trial attorney as a legal assistant. And we do a lot of police brutality cases. And it's really, like, the work that I do, plus, like, the Black Lives Matter movement, plus, like, also hearing, like, members of, like, my Greek community say things like, oh, Black people, maybe they're deserving of it, or they're more violent and blah, blah, blah. Like the same argument was made about your community. You just like, if you do the research, you'll see like the same stereotypes that have been put on us have been put on you guys and other racial groups. And so like, it's just white supremacy at work. Um, if you look at the industrial prison complex, like the prison to school pipeline is so real. Like I didn't know that it wasn't normal to go to school with cops in it. Like my entire childhood, like from kindergarten to like high school, I went to school with cops in it because they do that to us. Like they police us heavily within our communities. Like things, black people are more likely to go to jail for the same crime as a white person or an Asian person, even if like, even if like we didn't do, like if it's, it's literally the same, like we'll get go to jail for the same crime, but we'll get a higher sentence. And it really sucks. And like when you watch things like when they see us or the 13th, like there's so much information out there for you to be educated about it and to understand why we feel the way we feel about cops. 
And I feel like it's just really ignorant to be like, well, black people are just more violent because I can make that argument about other communities as well. I could be like, well, there's more white people and like white people always like commit murder, which is not true. Like I could just make some crap up and like people would be like, well, that makes sense. Uh, but it's not true. And also the fact that like what percentage of black people make up America like less than 20%, but like 53% of us are in jail. Like that's not, that's uneven math. Like even if you made the argument that we're more violent, like it just historic, like literally does not make sense. Yeah, I agree with everything that's said. I don't really trust the police. Like, it's the last resort, if anything. I know there's been situations where I'm like, oh my God, we probably should call them. Nah, we're not gonna call them. Like, we'll just we'll just figure it out. Like, we'll just figure it out, guys. Like, don't, let's not call them. I've been in situations where cops have shown up while I was with my sisters and the cop would just only address me instead of addressing the whole group. And I'm like, is everything okay? I'm not even the one involved. How did I get start speaking for the group? Like that's just started, you know what I mean? Like seeing that already has showed me like, okay, we are not the same. And if for you for you guys to think we are the same, for anyone to say we are the same in, in a certain aspect, we not, we're not. Like the like we fall under this umbrella, of course, of being a minority, but there's there's a lot of more things pinned against us in some context, I would definitely say. It's like touching on that too. It's like, if we even get in those situations where the cops come, it raises the question of, are they gonna think that we're the ones that did it? Like, it just raises those type of questions, like what are they gonna do to like us within like the actions of like, the whole object of the police is they're supposed to like help us, you know? But for us, we're like afraid to even get help from them because, you know, if we're the ones calling for help, they might think that we're the problem or we're not, we're just the ones trying to address the situation to get the help and that's one of the biggest things that like i see you know like there's been times where like friends like hey like, i see this we should call the cops and i my response is like if you do i don't want to be around it like i don't even want to be there when you call the cops like mm -hmm. from that fear that they're gonna think i'm ah. the reason why the cops are being called so yep so i think for our listeners and for non-black people that you know, as, as you all, as like people don't trust the police, you don't feel like you, that there there's a lot of police brutality. What are the alternatives here, right? It, it, can we kind of just share a little bit on that in terms of helping listeners understand what, mm -hmm. if any, <laughs> are there alternatives when, it, when a situation comes up that's hostile, right? Or that they, the first instinct is to call the police. Yeah, I think like what I do now, instead of like calling the police automatically, I kind of just like try to see what's happening. Cause I feel like, wait, what, since you're like a little kid, they tell you like, oh, like something bad happens, you call the police, right? And so like, it's ingrained in you. So what I try to do is I try to assess the situation, especially if it's like something domestic violence related, I would rather call a hotline. And if it has anything to do with anyone that has like mental health issues, I would much, much rather, like, even if I'm like call, if I like end up having to call the police, like the first thing I'll say, I would say was like, this person like has mental health issues, blah, 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 like, please like be mindful. And even if they do that, like sometimes people still end up dead, especially if they're black. Um, and so like there are specific hotlines. I would try to like assess the situation. Like sometimes you really don't need to call the cops, which you think you need to call the cops. And so just like playing it by ear, but I mean, it's hard. Cause like, yeah, I really just don't trust the police. So I don't know if I'm the best person for this question. Um, I don't know exactly all because it varies state by state of different um, resources to call. Uh, I definitely I heard of some in Jersey and I thought I had the Instagram post, but I definitely will share it out there once I find it. But there's other there's other places like other resources out there to not call the police, especially to help de escalate something. If you notice that the person is 
um, having a mental breakdown, you can definitely call somebody to help deescalate the situation. Yeah, I definitely agree with those, like definitely calling those hotlines and like actually touched on it really well, um, trying to assess the situation ourselves, trying to figure out what can we do to like either prevent the situation or minimize the situation or like, you know, solve whatever situation it is before we even have to get to call into the police because it doesn't always come about that. So yeah, that's definitely the main thing. Thanks. Um... I know we can talk a lot more about different situations, but I think I want to kind of move it into the next part of our podcast. Um, there'll be a little more time to talk about call to action and more resources, but I want to just take a pause here because a lot's been shared. And we like to use this podcast to really affirm our guests. Um, and so I really, one, just want to pause and, and thank you, the three of you, for just sharing your truth and sharing your experiences um, and sharing your history and your, and your this experience that is often not told and not heard. Um, and I just really appreciate that you are taking time and um, your labor and expertise to just being really resilient and sharing with with us and the listeners on on this very important topic. So I want to just have a little quick pause there to just thank you all um, and affirm you all for, for being here. Thank you. Yeah, that's very thank nice. <laughs> so, so thanks for our two. Yeah, so speaking of positive and just sharing, um, here's a spotlight moment. So. One, I guess a few questions, however you want to share them. How do you hear about organization? Why did you join? I think you shared a little bit about why you joined the AGLO, but feel free to share a little more specifically. And then, you know, share your nickname, share when you were initiated, share your line number, shout out to your specials, your bigs, your sands, your littles, whoever you want to shout out to. It's kind of your spotlight moment. So who wants to start? Uh, yeah, I'll start with this one. So the main reason I joined is, um, because I kind of wanted to find my place, like not only on campus, but for myself as well. I kind of wanted to unlock more of my potential of what I could have been. Because when I was in high school, like I was an athlete, but I didn't really do anything besides that. So when I actually came to campus um, in college, I said to myself, you know, I think I could be a leader. I think I could have a bigger purpose what I'm doing. Let me find that purpose. And I felt I found that in my fraternity. So I joined spring 2019, which is about a semester after I came to college. And ever since then, like I've literally held so many leadership roles. I think I've definitely unlocked my full potential. Even being in this situation right now, being able to talk to this podcast is a testament to how far I've come um, from my previous goals of what I wanted to what's actually going on right now. Um, so with that, I can definitely shout out my organization because a lot of those members did turn me into the leader I am. They brought out the best in me, especially my big, who is um, pretty much my mentor, uh, really amazing guy. Uh, also my little, who is also part of this coalition as well, which is a, a fun fact. Um, and Do you want to say their names or? Sorry, yeah, I don't know. Yes, give them a shout out. <laughs> give them a yeah, shout, so shout out. Shout out to my big, Toby Thomas. So all the D-side boys, y'all know who he is. Um, shout out to my little Elijah St. Aubin. He, um, I'm definitely inspiring him to be more of his coming, going to be a leader as well. And it's great to just see like us from our experiences, like how far we've come and we're able to share these experiences with the next group, such as my little. So definitely shout out to those guys and my organization as a whole. That was wholesome. 
Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Um, hi again. My name is Maxilia. Um, mm, I kind of went into why during my sorority, but yeah, I really felt welcomed. I didn't feel like me being black made me feel like um like an outcast at all I felt like really accepted and um I really loved the sisters and so like I joined um and Kappa Phi Lambda has given me such amazing opportunities like I have always been an activist but when I joined Kappa Phi Lambda I became cultural chair and like I got to like host award-winning events about like anti-blackness like I planned an event called take my black card and I along with my co at the time Joyce Joe landmark we did like a signs of love event where we literally taught people how to do the signs language like for like lgbtqia plus terms because before they used to be derogatory and then we they the asl community changed them to be like more inclusive and so like little things like that i've been able to do um i created like an anti-blackness committee with my national board and so i sit on the national board of my sorority addressing like issues of anti-blackness that might happen within our sorority um we've done so much amazing work for like nap for napa's black Co black coalition i feel and it's been like really like i don't know awe inspiring to think that like I went from being the first black sister and like also like talking to my chapter about like the use of the n-word to seeing my sisters like have my back even if I'm not at a party someone will be like hey like don't say the n-word like it's really offensive and I've seen how like a lot of the fraternities on campus have like grown to be like more educated and things like that I know I like name dropped someone earlier but like Navis have like genuinely tried their best to like educate themselves on the n-word and I have to like say that like I have to be like acknowledging of the fact that they have actually tried um and I think like because like my sisters had my back so well that's why they tried like that's why so many organizations were like oh we should be better about this um and i have to think like my lineage for just being by my side like crystals empire like huge shout out to you guys because you guys have like been super like accommodating and understanding of like the issues that i have um huge shout out to my big jamie Japeza and my little jennifer huang disrupt and um yeah like thank you to everyone that's been a really good sister to me and just like really good bros that have been really nice to me as well as like my pie twin hans and like my Kappa 20, Christy, she's from Columbia though, completely different school, but she's like always been a really good support system. And like Chris Kwok has been really nice to me and like my nieces as well. So I love you guys. Um, and thank you for like uh, having my back when needed. Wow, that's really hard to follow after me. I should have went before you. I don't have nearly, okay. <laughs> it's like, I have more shout outs, but go, go be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, like I mentioned, my name is Alicia. Um, I'm the sister of Alpha Sigma Rho. Uh, thanks to them, how did I get into this organization? Honestly, I'm shocked at myself. Uh, I got, I was very active in high school. And when I got to college, I was like, I'm going to take a break. I'm not going to be as busy. And then I got bored. And I was like, oh, man, I got to do something bigger than myself. And I remember this sorority. Everyone kept telling me, but actually, one of my former friends told me about the sorority. And I was like, okay, I'll go and check it out. And then I met the sisters and we really vibed. And they really like accepted me for who I was. And that's what I, I loved about it. And as any organization, you go through ups and you go through downs as well. And we were able to come back from those downs and change and grow together. And that's something that I very I really admire about my sorority is how much that we can fall together. Like our motto strength and unity, how corny as it is, like we fall together, but we'll definitely like rise back up together. Like we'll we do not believe in like leaving each other behind. And I just want to shout out my Epsilon chapter, especially they have 
listened to me talk nonstop about like anti-blackness and have listened to me and really tried to change. And I'm so proud of where we've came and how much we are growing to this day. I definitely want to shout out to my little, my lineage, um, (laughs) Ashley and my G little Crystal. Love you guys. You guys are the reason why I continue to put myself out there because I want to advocate not only for myself, but for you guys to learn to have your voice. Because that was one thing I could, when I first came into my sorority we were really quiet and I was like guys we are we are popping I don't know I wouldn't have joined the wax sorority we are popping okay and I am so happy that we are we have that confidence and I've seen us grow into so and blossom into this wonderful so organization and I definitely want to shout out all my sisters at Epsilon nationwide and my lineage especially love you guys and I can't wait thanks for you guys I got a job working at fraternity story life but this is it for me i gotta go after this but i love you guys so thank you so much for um shouting out and just sharing a little more about your own uh, why you joined so i think before we close um just uh, another call to action here what do you like last you know some give us a 30 second minute however long you need just what else would you like your listeners the listeners to know about anti-blackness in general, about you, um, anything, any resources? All right, uh, I'll definitely go first. Um, yeah, so with the talk we've had today, you know, um, we're not like, like, we didn't just call out what we saw, we experienced it ourselves in a sense. Um, that's like the main thing to me, like I experienced racism myself. Um, one time I was working 19 years old at a pizza hut, and literally the person told me um, when they were coming to order their food, they said, hey, do not let that black person touch my food. Um, and you know, I'm literally the cook. And like right there, like that felt degrading. So in a sense, it's not more to just have like for you listeners, not to just, not to necessarily feel our pain, but to recognize that it's there and we wanna make things better. That's our main goal is just to advocate for it and make things better. And I want to use that as a means of motivation for like any other um, black members in these organizations. If you felt that you've seen this type of racism happen or if you have experiences, don't be afraid to share with your members because they'll be able to really understand firsthand like what you felt and they're able to really advocate for you as well. Let's go next. Um, <laughs> I'll go next. <laughs> One thing I definitely want everyone to understand is that no one is going to represent your community as a whole. And I understand we all went through our pains and our struggles. um, And I can't apologize for what the Black community has done to the Asian community or vice versa. You guys can't apologize for what the Asian community or the white people, there's no one who can represent us as a whole. And you can all, what you can do at the end of the day is set an example. And if you could change, if what, by one person changing, it's going to make this whole community grow together and bond. Because at the end of the day, we're against one thing, white supremacy, right? We're trying to become unified. And until we recognize that and we start looking at each other for who we are instead of being like, hey, well, Black Lives Matter, right? And I'm like, yeah, it does matter. But that doesn't, that's not any excuse for us to treat you anyway. And that's not an excuse for you guys to treat us anyway at the end of the day. So definitely be your own example. I'm always learning. I'm not perfect. 
I'm never going to try to be perfect, but I'm gonna be the best that I can be. And I'm always here. If you guys ever wanna talk, have more of this conversation, feel free to reach out to me and that's all. Oh, that was good. That was so good. <laughs> um, darn. Uh, so my favorite quote by MLK, um, essentially, I think is like the best way that I can go about like explaining my stance. Ooh, on hit it with the quote. Oh, yes, we love a good quote. But um, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I personally like I feel like I live by that motto. Like when I saw the pro-democracy movement happening in Hong Kong, like when Joshua Wong got arrested and I've been following that movement since the umbrella movement. And I'm a black person in America that has nothing to do with Hong Kong. Like uh, Nothing that happens over there affects me in any way, shape or form. But like I care because like I don't want to see people be marginalized. I don't want to see people like get their rights taken away. And I want that same like grace to be extended to me. Like I did not watch the Mulan movie because I was like, uh, because of the comment that she made about Uyghur Muslims. I was like, we are not gonna watch this movie. I'm not giving you my coins because I care about those people that are being like persecuted. And I want you guys to feel the same way about like when you see the Black Lives Matter movement because like my heart goes out to all of you guys that have like family members who may or may not have been affected in some way about like the like rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans, right? And I want you to feel the same way about like how I feel like, you know, discouraged and saddened by like the racism that black people face in America and continue to face, right? Um, and so I think like, if we just keep that quote alive or if we just like, if we just treat others how we wanna be treated and like Alicia said it perfectly, like our one fight is white supremacy. And like, we get so like, like white supremacy is so ingrained within our system. We think that we should fight each other just for like a little crumb, a little crumb of acceptance. When in reality, like we're just perpetuating interminority racism and all these other things. And like, we should do better as a group to just have each other's back. So that's kind of like my quote at the end of the day. Like, I want you guys to care about me as much as I care about you guys, especially because like Greek life has given me a lot and I wanna hope that like people feel the same way. Like it's not the oppression Olympics. Like we don't need to fight each other over who's more oppressed. Like we should just have each other's backs. Um, and yeah, that's like all I really have to say. Like, I think like Kappa's has been great to me. And I hope that like, for those of you that are black in a pedigree life and you're the only black member at your organization that you're able to open up the door to have these conversations as like to have these conversations about these type of topics with your members and things like that, especially since it's becoming more popular and more people are trying to educate themselves. Also, I did not shout out my Alpha Kappa kitties. I love you guys. I'm very sorry. Mama did not forget. Um, so Alicia, I think also, my kids there you go. <laughs> For bad parents. I love you. <laughs> so I feel like we're gonna have like another episode around this. Yeah, we're gonna need another episode. <laughs> yeah, just like shout out all my children. Another one. There's so much. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to for sure. So yeah, that that could only... be an option in the future, but this is for this sure. is really great, and I, I really appreciate you all sharing, um, shouting out, um, calling in, calling out, um, sharing just your experiences and with our listeners. So more to come in the future, right? And so. I think we're, we're close to the end or we're at the end now. So I just want to thank you all for joining us in this episode. Um, more to come. Thanks so much. Thank you.